0: A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how. My name is and I'm the Trans Handy Mam. My pronouns are she/her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQI+ members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey, guys, gals, and non-binary pals! Thank you for listening to this amazing episode that we are about to deliver right to your ear holes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, my wonderful co-host, Maggie Conrad, is joining us. Hi, everybody. Oh, yes, yes! Wow! yes, Maggie. We have a live Thank studio you. audience today who <laughs> just loves you so much <laughs> and they adore you. Um, I want you to know that I talked extensively to matthew about all our plans about sound effects for the next several weeks and i have to tell you maggie we're opening the entity oh we're gonna yep the getting
1: fancy schmancy we are
0: raising the bar all the way to our <laughs> knees and i'm really <laughs>
1: yes the bar is off the floor yeah now
0: it's a trip hazard and i can't wait uh maggie how you doing my friend
1: Uh, I am doing great. I am enjoying having so many lovely faces around the studio lately.
0: Isn't it weird? Yeah,
1: it is weird. Yeah, Because for a long time it was like just the two of us, but like kind of because I work in the mornings and you work late at night. Just the
0: two of us. (laughs) us. (laughs) No, Maggie, you can't sing it well because then we're going to get copyright. My bad. My bad. That's why I'm, I'm allowed to sing it on the podcast because you couldn't figure out what the melody was anyways from what i yeah exactly (laughs) but if maggie sings it well we have an issue we're doing really good the uh, the podcast is going great we're having a great time with our new employees i'm really excited about all the things we're doing yeah and i don't know we're very fortunate we're a very fortunate bunch to be able to do the things we're doing and i'm so grateful every single day to be here and doing this work but all of that being said maggie are you ready to answer some
2: cues yes hi mercury this is christine i use she her i have a question i feel nervous bringing people into my home into my space because i'm very paranoid that it's not clean enough that it's not up to you know the impossible standards of of better homes and gardens. And so there are times I delay putting in maintenance requests because I want to know that the space is going to be clean in case they're available right now. And I was just hoping that you can help make this more of a judgment-free space and just kind of give people like me some kind words to my neuroticism (laughs) about how, you know, it's not really that bad, and no one cares, and this, that, and the other. Anyways, thank you for airing my entire ramble. <laughs> Wishing everyone, including the listeners, a good day. Hi, Christine, if I'm listening. <laughs> bye, <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs> I love the hi, Christine, if I'm
0: listening. <laughs> this is so cute. Also, my heart goes out to you. I can yeah. hear. I can hear the stress, and I can hear. Just this self-judgment that you have on yourself about this topic. So I am going to kind of put this to rest. As someone who's been into a lot of people's homes over the years, I'm going to kind of talk about, A, what the reality is of this, right? And then, B, we're going to talk about little solutions that actually might make it a little bit easier for you. First and foremost, technicians are there to fix it. They're not there to judge. Yeah, you. every once in a while, you might run into a technician who really just has you know, the worst attitude above anyone else in the whole world. (laughs) But I promise you that technicians have seen it all and they've seen homes that are far worse than yours, and in ways where it's like a a serious health concern. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. And ninety nine percent of homes that are cluttered and are lived in. I always tell people that I expect to go into a home of rental or a home of any kind and see it lived in, yeah. right? When I walk in and it looks like it's a demo room at like a fancy apartment building or something, I'm just like, who are these people? Uh, <laughs> that consumes me more than, than, you know, finding like dust behind a, a lamp in your kitchen or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's my my hot take on that is I, I don't think that the concern is, is as real as it may seem sometimes. But, yeah. you know, when you have those... Tricks that get in your head about things. It's almost impossible to feel otherwise. It's almost impossible for it not to feel that way, you know. But just listen to me. <laughs> Doing this for 16 years, and I will tell you that I have never once walked into a home and thought, boy, this is awful, right? And I'm, mm. hundreds of homes never happened. So I always, the thing that goes right back in the mind of someone who struggles with neurodivergency in, in her own way is, Knowing that people go through nems and flows, that sometimes we're doing great and everything's clicking, and we're able to take care of ourselves in that way, and sometimes we can't, and there's no wrong way to to live your life in that way, you know. Now, about m- how to mitigate this and about how to make it a little bit less stressful, I, uh, you know, the three total rule. Um, having three totes that are in your storage unit are ready to go and you can just throw a bunch of shit in the totes (laughs) and that, that and that's, and that's what you, you can do. If you, if you're really someone who just, who wants to put a little bit of an effort, if putting up a little bit of an effort makes you feel good, because that's also true too, right? Like sometimes you just want it to look nicer. Maybe just a three tote rule, nice, big totes. You don't need to have them be the totes you can carry, right? Because you always got to buy, like, medium totes when you're doing, like, like hauls and <laughs> stuff, right? But you give them big totes that are just good for storage, like almost trunks-like, and keep those around. And that will take a lot of the stress off. If you got clothes underground or, you know, you got things that are cluttering up or cat toys everywhere like I do, <laughs> then that's okay. I think that can help a lot. What about you, Maggie?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as somebody who came from a home that... Everything was always spick and span and sparkling, and I just choose to not live my life that way. I I like a little bit of a lived-in feel, Um, you know, and I lived in many, many rental homes in my time, and honestly, like, I just try to make sure they had a path clear to wherever they're trying to go. Um, So, you know, I mean, like you said, it ebbs and flows, but as long as they can get to where they need to be, I think that's the most important thing.
0: You know, there are some things I would suggest, right? Maggie made some great points, and I want to suggest that if you're working underneath the sink, clear all the things out from underneath the sink and, you know, have that in the tote, you know? Or if you're working in a laundry room, take all the detergent out of the way. Those kind of things go a long ways, and I prefer that Mm -hmm. over making the home look really spick and spam. I don't care about the rest of the home. I care about getting my tools in and out and not getting them missing and not losing them and making sure that everything gets done well and nice and clean. That's what I care about on my end, not, yeah. not on yours, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope Very we, nice. I
0: hope we fill that queue real good with our A's. <laughs> You know? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i say something maggie and i'm like i'm not that, positive. that was supposed to be wholesome i'm y'all. not positive but i, I <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. think that might be a very uh innuendo i just used i yeah. i i used an innuendo to the wall that's <laughs> what drops down. let's do the next call
1: <laughs> okay so we have a text message from carrie hi mercury thanks for offering this podcast i live with my elderly parents and want to learn more on how to handle basic home repairs for them all of the bath and kitchen faucets need replacing, and I don't know how to measure them properly to order new sets or how to install them. It's a 1950s ranch-style house with plastic pea traps under the sinks, but quote-unquote vintage pipes under the house. We have hard water with high fluoride levels that causes a lot of rust and lime buildup. Would appreciate all the guidance you can offer. Have a great day, Carrie D. P.S. We have lots of home repair needs, so I might become a regular question asker.
0: LOL. Well, hi, Carrie. What a really good thorough question. Maggie, I'm going to need you to kind of walk me through some of this. We're going to go one by one and make sure we do this well. Sure. well. Let's talk about the measuring first, okay? So we're talking about the measuring of sinks and, and tubs, right?
1: Of the kitchen and bath faucets.
0: Okay, Perfect. So first and foremost, I always recommend when we are doing this work and you're in DIYer to take it off. Take photos of everything when you're taking mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. Turning it off. Take photos of every single nook and cranny, right? And every step. So when you're putting a new one back on, you can reference it, right? But take the old one off and then bring it to a hardware store and ask for help, too. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I can tell you that it's from center to center on it, right? It's from like the holes on the faucet. Oh, sure. It's from it center off? to center, from the center of the the one stem to the center of the other stem. Mm-hmm. But like, it's still not perfect, right? And you couldn't get it wrong if you measured it not sure. perfectly. And those kind of things are important. So, and also, it could be brand specific. Like a Kohler is going to be different than you know, a Zern or something mm-hmm. like that, so, or a Delta. So it all depends on the actual brand that you're using. So I always recommend going that route. But I will say they're fairly standard when you're doing it. Like, they they look this way, they do that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the bells and whistles sometimes have more of an issue because the bells and whistles are usually specialty. But if we're talking, like, basic, you know, hardware for your sinks in your bathrooms they're typically fairly standard sizes you will have like two or three sizes for your bathrooms mm-hmm. and about two sizes for your your sinks and then it's like extra stuff you know if you have the pull out hose or if you have those kind of stuff all that kind of stuff matters but yeah that's the first one what was the second part of that question maggie
1: just asking about any tips to install them so once they do have the new sets yeah any tips on installing? get yourself a
0: basic wrench that's a b-a-s-i-n get yourself a basic wrench they're running you about 20 to 30 dollars but boy they're going to help you go underneath your sink so mm-hmm. underneath your sink you sometimes you'll have these nuts or these cup links that that hook everything together underneath and when you're working on that stuff it's really best to make sure that you have a wrench that can make your life easier when you're using with a socket set even or uh crescent wrench or a pipe wrench these are often too bulky to get much of a turn where the crescent wrench is designed to bend and curve underneath your sinks and it will make laying on your back trying to take something off a lot easier the basic wrench is my favorite little tidbit for those kind of stuff and yeah and they're worth the money they're worth the money what's the next part making
1: so the last part was just talking about uh they have hard water with high fluoride levels That can cause a lot of rust and lime buildup. So any guidance you can offer on helping with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the rust and lime buildup is, you know, a nightmare. You could use products that, like, are lime away or calcium away kind of products and um, whatnot. You know, there's a really famous trick right now people are really obsessed with, and that's taking a Ziploc bag full of vinegar Mm -hmm. and... And whatnot, and that's fine, um, but I want to advise against it to some extent because it can damage the actual materials of the faucet, right? Like it mm, can make it finish. stand, yeah. yeah. It can damage the stand depending on what kind you got. So I recommend checking the aerator. Often we'll have the aerators of these basically filter systems that will soften your water a little bit uh, when it comes into the actual sink itself. And they will have these little things you could detach called aerators that will hold everything together. You can take that off and, you know, you could dip that in vinegar directly, or you can take little floss brushes that you use for flushing your teeth and Mm -hmm. poke the holes out that way, too. I have a few videos on that, and I think it's super handy. But yeah, that would be my hot take on that. Now, how do you prevent it ahead of time? That's a little bit more of a difficult question. (laughs) We're not going to be able to go over that here, but as far as like just preventative maintenance just checking in on it every once in a while you typically don't notice it it's so gradual yeah. when you start having calcium buildup that affects your your water flow that it kind of like happens over the course of long periods of times years and two years and three years you know so you don't always notice it so check in on it take care of it rub it down with the vinegar soaked rag might be all you have to do for a little bit and that should be good to go so I think I filled that queue pretty good.
1: <laughs> I think so, too. Great job. Yeah. This is Lane, she, her, in Dallas, Texas. Help, handy ma'am. My sink fell out of my bathroom countertop. I didn't even know a sink could fall out. I'm adding a picture of the sink and the glue crust that fell out of the in-between of the sink and the countertop. Thank you. And it's it looks like an undermount sink. So the sink is under... The
0: countertop okay this is a wonderful question it's very hard to describe this but there are sinks that go underneath the countertop and typically they have clips or some things that are hooked all together i am guessing that the clips here are completely gone mm. if mm. it's largely happening on one side mm-hmm. if you have a now often i see sinks like this and there'll be two sinks and you're Bathroom, Mm -hmm. and you can rob one sink of a clip or two and use that as a temporary fix. But if this is not a double sink and you only have the one sink, then I think there's probably two clips left on it, is what it appears to be here. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, because it's like sunken on one side. Then you can
0: go and, and get yourself sink clip replacements from your local hardware store. Show them the photo, and they should be able to guide you in the right direction. But essentially, also it's a caulking situation, too. You know, you want to get bathroom safe silicone caulking for that, but that's definitely what I would use. A quick seal is probably the preferred method that I would tell you to do as far as bathroom caulking, maybe dap. But quick seal in this instance, get the fast-drying kind that gets tacky faster. And then when you're doing all this, it'll make your life a lot easier. Now, as far as, like, how to hold it up when you're down there, because that can be hard and don't wait by the way for those who can't tell the sink is falling down and it's like catty wampus on one side Mm -hmm. that indicates that there's strain being put on the other clips Uh, and all the remaining caulking so this is a job i would say you need to do like pretty fast pretty immediately like
1: one side is holding the whole sink yeah
0: because uh, i would also guess that some of the hardware is holding it up too so like the sink assembly, the P trap, and all that—that's oh, yeah. holding it up to some extent too. You're putting a lot of strain on that, so you're probably going to have a busted gasket somewhere in your sink system. So all those little things, yeah, not that's not that bad. It's not that bad because okay. all that's probably PVC.
1: <laughs> I got worried for you there, Lane. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks
0: like a fairly new sink. Yeah. Or one that has been established in the last 15 years, and I'm going to say it's probably PVC underneath there. And if that's the case, that's okay. That's pretty easy to replace and pretty, like, affordable. But that would be my next thing I would worry about is, like, take everything apart, redo the sink, um, maybe even take the whole thing off. Like, take off the whole sink itself and then reapply it. That might be kind of a pain in the ass. But I think you put so much strain on that caulking and on those clips, I think they're probably done for. You know. Mm. Uh and I also think the piping system, the PVC you use could be damaged to some extent. So when you put everything back together, I would slowly run the water yeah. and make sure that all the things good. I would just replace all the little rubber gaskets and seals you have in your whole sink assembly. So that's your P trap, that's your drain pipes, that's your mm. elbows, that's everything underneath there. That's PVC, usually white, sometimes beige.
1: And those are pretty inexpensive, yeah. Yeah,
0: you can get a whole kit for like eight to ten bucks most places. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, that's what my hot take is. I think that it is probably that. But, you know, once again, we're always kind of like doing the best we can with the information (laughs) we got. But I think that's the case. Maggie, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that. Everything that you described is exactly what I'm seeing in the picture. So I think, you know, listeners will get a good visual and seems pretty straightforward. I had no idea. Like, I, I just never thought about, like, clips holding yeah. the sink in. And so I'm just wondering, like, did they break? Where did they go? <laughs> okay.
0: So what happens with that is a great question. Hmm. So, I mean, here's the thing. If you were wiggling your faucet around or if you got, I mean, it's an under sink. Yeah. Right under sinks by the very fabric of how they're made they're gonna get a they're gonna get a beating you mm-hmm. know i've always hated those but they're so common with that granite style yeah, countertop really yeah people love those and i'm just like oh, boy i hate those as a technician <laughs> you know but i think that my hot take on that is that those clips would also be called brackets, too, depending on where you are. They're called clips really commonly here in Wisconsin, but I almost wonder if they're called, like, sink bracket elbow, blah, blah, blah. You know, (laughs) you might need to do some Googling to figure it out, but an under-sink is kind of what you want. I'm going to double-check something real quick. Yep, I was right. They're called under-mount sink clips is what you want. There's premium sink clips. I'm just gonna show Maggie kind of what we're looking at, Maggie. That's kind of what the system we have. There's like a screw and then like a clamping effect that oh, happens. Okay. It sometimes inserts itself like a, in there. A
1: nut and a bolt, but with like a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah,
0: and they're called mount sinks. Right, they're very common in some parts of the country. So, I think that you should be good to go. I'm actually reading an article right now entitled, Are Undermount Sinks a Good Idea? (laughs) Undermount Sinks are a popular choice for many homeowners because they offer slick, seamless looking ways to keep your kitchen or bathroom clean. Because there's no lip around the edge, blah, 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 blah. Anytime you see clean or slick or seamless, yeah. extra money somewhere, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I always said that a tri- a true and tried era will always outlive a trend. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing is more long-lasting than just your typical whole For a sink countertop that is cut smaller than the sink itself. Yeah. That's always going to just, the very nature, it's going to be stronger, you Mm -hmm. know? You're going to probably have like six clips underneath that sink. And six clips ain't doing shit when gravity comes (laughs) a knocking.
1: Okay, we have another message from Kate, pronouns she, they, from Plainfield, Illinois. Handy ma'am, help. I need to figure out why my dimmable lights are constantly flickering. Is it the bulbs? The connection, I would love to just change them out for new simple switches that don't dim the lights. This is probably a back-to-basics subject for you. Just an idea for you from a fixer-upper homeowner who has already learned a ton from you. Cheers.
0: What? I love that question. This is a really solid one because, honestly, dimmer switches are kind of a pain in the butt. Um, There's a few things that could be going wrong. When those switches go bad, it's almost usually a, a slider situation, the sliders, or even if it's a, if it's a twist, a push and twist, too. We're just going to, for all intended purposes, we're going to call them both sliders, even though they're not. <laughs> but sliders, the mechanism they have is more points of failure. And the more points of failures you have in any type of thing in maintenance, the more likely you are to have to repair it yeah. or replace it, rather. right? And there's so many points of failure in those. That they're fun while they last, but boy, when it starts being worn out or if the the little rubber parts of it keep getting, you know, trashed, well, then you're going to have more of an issue, right? Now, is it, what is it? Is it the slider itself or is it the bulbs, et cetera, or is it the fixture, okay? I'm going to say that without knowing My first instinct when we're talking about troubleshooting would be the bulbs.
1: We just had that issue. Yeah,
0: bulbs. Here's the thing. If you buy cheap, you get cheap and flickering lights. That's just honestly how it works. Stay away from the cheapest option when we're talking lighting. Right? Well,
1: and not all bulbs are made to be dimmed.
0: Yes, that's also very true. You need to make sure you find bulbs that can actually be dimmed properly. Otherwise, they will flicker when mm-hmm. you're trying to dim them in different spots, and they will be temperamental. But also, a lot of LED bulbs will have tiny little circuit boards in them, and if they're not necessarily running at the optimal level, after like six months, eight months, they will start going bad, mm-hmm. too. So, again, stay away from the lowest end option and get middle tier. Uh, don't go for the most expensive route if you don't want to. Don't go for the cheapest because you'll have more problems and you spend more money anyways, go for it in the middle. Right in the middle is usually the sweet spot. Now, if you replace the bulbs and it ain't working, then the next route is to replace that switch. Now, how do we switch it back? It kind of all depends on what the inside of that switch box looks like, mm-hmm. right? Because it could be, you know, maybe there was a ceiling fan there at one point in time, and that means that there's going to be two leads and a neutral and a ground in there. If it's no longer a ceiling fan, right, then you're going to have maybe one that's going to be capped off and then you're going to have a black wire and a green wire and a white wire. It all depends where you are, what you dealt with, what the generational trauma of that building (laughs) is. But overall, go in with an open mind and go in with a diagram of what the wires should look like for that specific fixture, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you're changing out the light switch, look up, you know, changing a dimmer to a light switch and get the step-by-step tutorial. Because I can tell you on the podcast, but I'm not going to be able to show you. And then definitely look it up. Because there's so much information about that out there that's probably going to be a little bit more in-depth than what I can give you here. But that would be my hot take. And if you see anything capped off, it's probably capped off for a reason. And what I mean by that is it's clipped. And then wire knotted. Yeah. And that typically means that something else was originally going in there and stuff like that. So it can be a little bit confusing, but it should be fairly one-for-one change. Like, oh, because the dimmer is wired up. The wiring doesn't change for a dimmer switch as much, unless it's, like, a really fancy one. But from what they're talking about, it's a pretty straightforward dimming switch. It's
1: just switching the box. So if you're going to switch it out... Yeah, black goes to black, white
0: goes to white, green goes to green kind of thing. You know, brass is always the lead or the black wire, Mm -hmm. and silver is always the white. Nine nine times out of ten, right? Yeah. So keep in mind and remember that. If I say neutral, I mean a white wire. The leads means your hot wire or your black wire. If you can keep that in mind, you'll be good to go. If you see a red wire in there, it usually is a lead. A light blue is usually a white wire. So it all depends, but sometimes they're not <laughs> up to code. You got to kind of kind of do the best you can and, and double check everything. But definitely look up the tutorial and you'll be able to get the job done. I'm going to say that the answer to this question, even though I pounded off to someone on YouTube. <laughs>
2: Mercury it's Elilah I use she and they pronouns but my question was if you would ever consider making a video about changing your water level in your toilet because honestly I am sick and tired of my hand going for a dip and I, every time I've tried to look for a video they are not very helpful I love watching your videos it helps me so much and I just hope you have a great day thank you
0: Woo, nothing like skin dipping with your hand in the toilet. <laughs> wow. I'm is... so sorry, Delilah. No, nah, uh, Hey there, Delilah. I am very sorry. <laughs> okay, so let's get a little bit serious and talk about toilets and levels and etc. cetera. A, it really should never be getting that high. So the question I have right out of the gate is like, A, how big is that tank? Is it like a larger than normal tank kind of thing? I would look up the tank sizes and kind of see. I'm very curious about that. And also I'm very curious about just a flush fill valve and the actual flapper itself, if you have a flapper. So basically the way this works is that you will have something called a float that's attached to your fill valve inside of your toilet. This float is kind of like a canoe on a river, right? Like it operates where it kind of like flows on top of everything and it kind of gauges how high it needs to be. You can adjust the float to bring in less water by tightening up the very top of the fill valve and that will bring down the float. That will probably help a little bit and mitigate some of this problem. And then the second thing is maybe your flapper is kind of not doing its job and the flapper is like down below connected to your handle off of a chain or of a wire and when you push down the handle, the flapper pops up,
1: and that's what lets all the water. Yeah. out. Yeah,
0: if the flapper is like loosey goosey, not really like if if it's like a wappy inflatable arm man, it's not
1: They're the hand motions that go with it, y'all. Yeah, just if, imagine if
0: you if, if your flapper is a, a flapping inflatable arm man at a car sales place, then I'm gonna say it's probably not <laughs> doing its job. You can replace those for like three fifty four dollars and that should do the job. Try those two things, adjusting the float level and the flapper and start with that. If you keep having this problem, A, call back in. I'm very curious to see if we can help you. And B, I think it's probably your fill valve or your flush valve. And those are a little bit more intensive but not impossible to do. And it all depends what the inside of your toilet looks like because they're not always the same. You know, you'll have your, you know, your floatless tanks and you'll have your your, you know, your no gravity tanks or whatever they're called. <laughs> That are a little bit different but the the universal ones are your float to your fill valve and then handle to your flush valve or your flapper and that should be good to go so yeah look at that mercury is five for five this week even though she pawned off some of the answers on the youtube and you know what i'm not (laughs) shamed. but you
1: know what i feel like sometimes a lot of the questions that we get or that you get is like You know, just how do I know what to look for when I'm looking these things up? Because a lot of people just don't know what to Google.
0: Hey, Maggie, you know you don't know what you don't know, Maggie. So true. Yeah, I say it all the time, all the time, constantly. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this great, fantastic episode of the Handyman Hotline. If you have questions or any concerns, or You've wanted to have life's advice from the good old Mercury star, but you can call us at 608-205-8768. That's 608-205-8768. And you can leave a voicemail or even text us at that number. And we will do our best to answer all your cues. Um, as always, I want to say thank you to my wonderful co-host Maggie Conrad for making this show happen. And also for our sound engineer, Matthew Allen Haig, for making the show sound less like Mercury is coming down with a cold. Uh, thank you, everybody. And remember, as always, you're, you're worth, worth the, the time, time it takes to learn, to learn a new, new skill. skill. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45-minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides To make your life a little bit easier. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to.
1: You're worth it.